On this episode, we discuss Triple X, the return of Xander Cage. Live in Brooklyn! <laughs> I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey, Dan and Stuart. I'm Elliot Kalin. And where are we? We're <laughs> live in Brooklyn. As, <laughs> as Elliot Stuart fade said. off into the distance. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, like in the intro. Yeah. You know, I just want to say that Brooklyn audiences. No, do not. Bro- Don't. Stop Brooklyn it. audiences Stop are, it. are the closest to my apartment audiences in the whole world. <laughs> All right. That's an honest pander. I'm gonna, I am not going to give that pander a Pinocchio award or a pants on fire or anything. Dan's pandering uh, should be called dandering, right, Elliot? Yeah, because I'm allergic to it. Dan, what do we do on this podcast? <laughs> on this podcast, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Oh, and, Which boy. we did not do this time because oh. this movie rules. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Guys, can I just pull back the curtain a little bit and say that this is the first time that we watched the movie all separate from one another? That's true. And it was it was. A Elliot was head. texting me the whole time. He was like texting that. you? Yeah. Everyone, everyone awed just then as if a baby riding a puppy fell in a wood chipper. <laughs> oh, no. It started so well and ended so sadly. Yeah. There's, two, there's more than one kind of awe. Uh, uh, but that's true. We watched it separately this time, so we're going to be kind of discovering how we feel about this movie together as a group. Yeah, so we didn't influence each other except for the text where I'm like, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and the text that Dan sent us that said something like, this is the stupidest movie we've ever watched. <laughs> so I think we've got a real debate on our hands. So since we don't have a lot, as much time as we usually do because we're in a real place with real people, not Dan's apartment, which is not a real place that just has a cat in it. <laughs> A cat, a cat that is imprisoned and crying the whole time. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we just? Should we just jump into it? Yeah, just like just Xander Cage would. Yeah. Got wait, guys. Just want. I just want to ask you. <sighs> yes. Where were you when you heard that Xander Cage was returning? <laughs> you know what? I'll never forget not remembering where I was <laughs> when you asked me that question, Stu. Do you remember? Yeah, I think I was sitting there thinking about how all the movies I want to see are populated with my daddy's secret agents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this one is very much not your daddy's secret agent. No. Unless your dad is Samuel L. Jackson, I guess. My dad's, my dad's pretty into, uh, I don't know, vaping and uh, those <laughs> fidget spinners. <laughs> no offense, fa- no offense. My favorite thing... Sometimes about doing the podcast is watching that moment where Stuart's like gears are turning, where he's like, <laughs> I've committed myself to saying something. I gotta think of the reference real quick. See, guys, I'm pretty good at improv. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so as mentioned, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage involves the return of, that's right, your favorite hero from Triple X, Xander Cage. The Xander Cage? The Xander Cage, because okay. as this movie shows us, this super secret super spy is the most famous man in the world. <laughs> Okay, but we open with Samuel L. Jackson, who in the first movie 
And second movie recruited the triple X agents. He goes into a speech about uh, why, because of asymmetrical warfare and the problems of national security in the 21st century, the answer is skateboards. Yeah. <laughs> and it never really makes a lot of sense, but it's all it's all like one shot, right? Or is it not? It's all pretty. It's a pretty long. Take. Oh, it's a it's a Paul Thomas Anderson style uh, tour de force. Yeah. And uh, it never... I, I was too busy trying to set up the audio for the movie, so I missed this part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he explains the guiding principle of the film while trying to sell a foot, a soccer, or as they would say in this player's native country, football, star, on why he should join the Triple X program. The guy says, I'm not a hero, then proves that wrong by stopping a robbery in the restaurant they're in by kicking a napkin dispenser into the head of the gunman trying to rob the restaurant. Yeah. It looks like a new action hero has just been launched into the, the Triple X franchise. Then a satellite crashes next to the restaurant and they are engulfed in flame. <laughs> And both of, both of these characters have been given dramatic Suicide Squad style introductions too. Yeah, like, with like graphics on screen yeah. and text and everything. And like hobbies are explained to us. Like Slipknot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like your favorite say- character, Slipknot. Yeah. You can climb anything. Yeah. So uh, that so next uh, cut to. The CIA headquarters, a secret, secure, confidential meeting room, which for some reason has a skylight. <laughs> the director of the CIA shows up to a meeting where Tony Collette, who has one of those jobs where she's not the head of the CIA, but she's some kind of like amorphous manager of all yeah. spy things, you know? Uh, she's entered the Tilda Swinton phase of her career, I think, in this movie. Wow. I mean, she's like the, Why, like the non-union Tilda And then when she gets older, she'll be in the Judy Dench phase where she's like an air elemental in science fiction movies. That's right. That's right. You're talking about Chronicles of Riddick, another Vin Diesel Another franchise? Vin Diesel classic. Because he can't, he, I just can't stop talking about the D's, which for me usually means Eddie Deason. But in this case, it's Vin Diesel. And why haven't they made a movie together yet? Where they're like, he's, his, he's Vin Diesel's dad. It could be a remake of Twins, I feel like, would except, be a good... Except Eddie Deason is like 30 years older than Vin Diesel. So, it's a, so yeah, they could be twins. That's like, do you remember there was that... That was the Farrelly Brothers movie about the Siamese twins. And it was yeah. like Greg Kinnear and... Stu- thank you. Stuck stu- on you. Stuck on you. And I remember Which, reading somewhere <laughs> that their original <laughs> casting was Woody Allen and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> uh. and, the, and the joke was that one of the twins is just aging much faster <laughs> than the other one. Uh, that'd be so much better than the movie they made. Yeah. Mm, I'm stuck on it. Anyway... Uh, it turns out there's some kind of super-secret spy machine that's crashing satellites, and some kind of super-secret terrorist bad guy has it. Luckily, the CIA captured the, mach- the machine, which is about this. It's like a mother box, basically, for our fourth-world fans out there. Uh, but uh-oh. I mean, it's a MacGuffin box is what it it's is. It's a MacGuffin box, yeah. It's a techno box that does it's bad things. It's filled with egg MacGuffins. <laughs> Hitchcock was just not trying when he made that movie for <laughs> yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Drive through a rear window. <laughs> it should have been rear drive through window, I know. Jimmy Stewart is working the late night shift when he thinks he sees a murder committed in a car in the parking lot. I can't even add anything to this. It's too good. <laughs> Thank you. I'll have two Big Macs. Yeah, perfect. Wait, yeah, why is, I can wait. do impressions. Why is he ordering when he works there? Because I'm hungry, Elliot. <laughs> This is like Jimmy Stewart as a Hanna-Barbera character. 
So you what? You no, the, we don't sell the McRib anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't order that. <laughs> it's after eleven. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? So that was a twenty pace. <laughs> anyway, a bunch. Anyway, a bunch of what I can only call leather spies, because they're all wearing leather, jump in, smash through the skylight, kill everybody in the room, except for Tony Collette and... And this the, scene the, is oh, great. They do, that's <laughs> it. And it is, and this movie is bonkers. Now, it has taken us, the movie, less time to do all this than it took us to talk about it. Yeah. Everything's super fast. It's like they were like, hey, you know the scenes in the middle of action scenes that explain what's going on and why people are doing stuff? I don't know why we need those. <laughs> yeah. So they just run in and steal it. And it's one of those weird things where it's like uh, the room full of the CIA has no security. The security all waits outside. And then when the bad guys rush in, the security guys run in at one at a time, try shooting the bad guys. The bad guys kill that one security guy. Next security guy steps up, (laughs) takes his turn. It's classic ninja tactics. Yeah, but with a gun. I mean, that's the weird (laughs) thing about it. Like, can't you just, you know... Isn't that what a gun is for? I'm led to believe that a gun is a very efficient killing machine. Is that untrue? I mean, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage would have us believe, believe not, no. No. One extreme sportsman can uh, dismantle any gun that you come at him with. I mean, many with. characters in this movie can uh, just avoid being shot entirely. Yeah, by, through their skateboardiness. Yeah, and some yeah. of it's parkour. And DJ-ness. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> We'll get so, that. We will looks like a that. job for Xander Cage. Where's he in a Latin American country? Do you remember? Was it Dominican Republic? Was that uh, it? He's, he's, I believe, in the DR. Yes. He's performing a stunt that involves that something on a satellite tower that involves jungle skiing, parkour, and then skateboarding down a road that must go on for a thousand miles. <laughs> All of it downhill. Every single person he passes knows exactly who he is and loves him. They could yeah. be... Young little kids, old men driving trucks, and I gotta tell you, there's something not that cool ultimately about a grown man hunched over a skateboard. I mean, I, it's yeah, pretty I like, cool. I like but... that he appeals to all age demographics. Yeah. Everyone knows him and loves him, and it turns out it's all to set up a pirate feed of a soccer match for the people who can't afford cable. Yeah. Then he goes home to have sex with his model girlfriend, leaves her well, a skateboard with a post-it note on it, and he's off, the, to, do, <laughs> off to the races. But before that, before he has sex, like, there's a kid who's like, I love you, Xander Cage. Yeah, and he's like, you brought the world to us. Yeah. And you remember what like, Xander Cage's advice he, is? He said something about how the world is in your heart. Keep it in your heart. Yeah. And then you can be anywhere or something? I don't remember. <laughs> That's Wait, a pretty good Vin Diesel impression right there, Elliot. <laughs> no, wait, hold on. It's like, keep, keep it in your heart, then you can be everywhere. Uh, keep it in it. your heart. Keep it in your heart. Keep it, keep, keep it in your heart. I, that'll, be, that'll be 798. Please pull up to the next window. <laughs> Xander, Xander, you can't bring your skateboard through the drive-thru. <laughs> We've talked to you about this. But this sets up a theme of the movie, which is everyone in the world fucking loves Xander they Cage. They fucking love Xander Cage, and they love fucking Xander Cage. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, I want to point out one thing. So Xander Cage, he's the rebel spy. He's an extreme sports guy. He doesn't like the man. And yet, interesting how what he's done isn't to... While he's setting up the soccer game, we see guys like pushing loads of salt, sweat falling from their brows. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. Rather than showing the masses who their true enemy is and leading them into an uprising, 
He's just provided the opiate of professional sports in what I can only call a pantomime of rebellion that misleads the people into thinking they're sticking it to the man when, in fact, he's lulling them to sleep so that tomorrow they can wake up and break their backs in the service of the corporate international megalopolises. Yeah, who who built that skateboard? Yeah, who made that skateboard? Who paved those roads? You didn't build that, Xander. I don't know. My my message just turned 180 degrees. I I I don't need to pay attention to your... Your ramblings anymore, Elliot. This is Trump's America. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Who? Oh wow. Sad, really. It's like another baby fell into that wood chipper. <laughs> no, the president threw a baby in a wood chipper. Oh. Anyway, Comey's testifying about it, and it still Dan, nothing we're not going to release this episode for a while. People are going to be like, "Comey, what the hell is that? <laughs> Was that that African warlord everyone cared about for <laughs> six years ago?" Didn't his show get canceled or something? Stuart, you were going to say something? No, I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) Okay, Vin is off on his own, but then he gets framed with a bomb, and a bunch of police come after him. Turns out it's all a test from Tony Collette. He knew it was just a test and not fake because he noticed the tiny clues all around him. He's super perceptive. He's like Sherlock Holmes on a skateboard, breaking the rules of spydom. Uh, And this continues a a trope within the Triple X series where uh, he gets stuck in what seems like a dangerous situation, but all the the guns are filled with blanks. Mm -hmm. But not Xander. Xander doesn't shoot blanks. He better hope he is because he goes to London to get a hacker to help him track down these ghost agents that can't be found who stole what they call the Pandora's box. And the price for getting that hacker's help, he has to have an orgy with seven or eight women who all keep their underpants on. (laughs) But it wasn't even like set up as the price of him getting that information. Like it was weird. In a normal, in like a James Bond movie, James Bond has sex with a woman to get her on his side or to get some piece of information. In this movie, he asks the lady for information. She's like, I'll give it to you tomorrow. In the meantime, here's eight women. Maybe you would like to have sex with them? That's just Xander Cage. She doesn't give him the option. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, in, a, in some ways, if you read that scene differently, he was raped by eight women. <laughs> like, he's never given the chance to back out. He was smiling. Maybe it was just nervousness, you know? Sure. Let's not, he didn't say yes. Let's, assume, let's not assume he's I into it. I just want to that... watch you dig yourself out of this. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm looking out for Xander Cage, <laughs> and I don't want it to be assumed that he's asking for it just because he's wearing that huge fur coat with just, <laughs> with just an undershirt with no sleeves underneath. So when he when He, he can looks... dress however he wants, Dan. It's not an invitation. When he looks at the camera and says... The things I'll do for my country. (laughs) That's really sad. That was with the thousand-yard stare of a trauma victim. (laughs) Very sad. Anyway, they find the bad guys live in some kind of tropical party criminal island. And here's something I was Uh, wondering. In the meantime, though, Xander has assembled his team. We should talk about his team. Tell me about his team. Do you guys remember the team? Nope. So there's... (laughs) So first he meets he, 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 he meets nerdy spy girl comic relief. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. There's, oh, that's uh, the comedy scene where she spends a long time talking about her sexual safe word. Yeah, how she's totally into him. And, and I mean, I don't know. It's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, she keeps coming on to him and he's like, yeah, maybe later. You got glasses or else I'd do you right now. So <laughs> That's the subtext. Anyway. But his actual team is, he's got... Uh, the sniper lady. Uh, yeah, she's a hunter. Played hunter. by famous androgynous model Ruby Rose. Androgynous? I mean, she's she's a uh, she's a very attractive boyish lady. I mean, the now movie, Dan she gets was to very dig himself woman-y. out. I don't know. 
No, she's known for this. I mean, she's... Uh, never mind. This is like... Anyway, well... This is like a whole thing. We're in, each of these people are anti-establishment people. So she's introduced. You think she's about to kill a lion? No. She's shooting at lion hunters and leaves them to limp through the jungle with their knees bleeding to be eaten by a lion, I assume. <laughs> Uh, Who's next? Who's next on the team? So we've got Hunter Hunter. There's okay. uh, the guy who drives the car who is, he likes to crash a lot. He's a yes. stunt driver, loves to crash. Yeah. And then there is a DJ. Yeah. And there's no His... reason given for him to be on this team except for that he is fun. Yeah. No reason. At what, when the bad guys show up later, he like hits him with his MacBook and throws CDs at him. <laughs> you know, you haven't seen a more deadly DJ than Hellraiser 3. <laughs> now... <laughs> I was watching this with a friend, and she uh, uh, Googled him, and she's apparently a big K-pop star. Okay, well, that's this, the thing about this, this movie. This movie was very successful abroad. This movie made, is one of the few movies, I was reading about it, that made $100 million in China without making $100 million in the United States. And it is a very... Here's, the, here's one of the strengths of this movie. The first strength is it's super dumb. The second... <laughs> and it doesn't care. The second strength is this is a real, like, multinational, multi-ethnic group. Like, you have a hero group that involves Vin Diesel, who is all things to all people. And then you have a couple of of Asian guys, Indian lady, so forth. There's a nerd. He ends up, up, not to spoil anything, but he ends up teaming up who we think is the bad guy, played by Donnie Yen, who is a huge star. Who's a huge star. And is amazing. And Tony Jaa in there, too. And Tony Jaa is in there. Uh, so, so this is it's like, a very diverse team. Yes. Anyway, they go to Super Party Island. And I was wondering, in movies, criminals are always surrounded by partying ladies in bikinis. Is that really what the life of a criminal is like? <laughs> <laughs> There's like nonstop bikini ladies everywhere a criminal hangs out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, seems like, it seems like it's an island where after you hit like 35, they just ship you off to a different <laughs> island. Uh. <laughs> The elderly criminal island. Just <laughs> a bunch of people cheating at backgammon. Because <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel's under 35, right? <laughs> oh, he's got to be. Oh, sure. He's, he's eternally 29. Uh, so anyway, the bad guys are trying to... They're stalking Vin Diesel to this party, but the DJ stops so the bad Vin guy Diesel, Vin Diesel with the power is, of partying. Vin Diesel's 49 years old. What's he doing, skateboarding? <laughs> is he 49 years old? I think old? he's 49 years old. Somebody look it up. Thank you. Wow. Vindicated. Wow, you crowdsourced that answer very fast. <laughs> a lot of people who are waiting for the day Vin Diesel turns 50. <laughs> so they can have sex with him, yep, I guess? Yeah, <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, one thing that we're, that we're shown in the plane is a bunch of crazy super weapons. One of them, robo-fists for super punching. But we won't see those for a while. Anyway, there's a standoff between Vin Diesel and two of the bad guys with grenades. Anyway, we think they're the bad guys. They're, they want this Pandora's box that takes down satellites because they think nobody should have this power. Uh, have they destroyed the box? No, they don't want to do that. But, you know, enter a bunch of, I guess, Russian soldiers. There's yep. a big fight. Yeah. Xander is just hitting people with a motor bu- motocross bike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, say, you, you, you misspoke, but someone does get hit by a motorboat later on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, they, the bikes turn into water ski bikes during a chase scene. Oh, and then so they're good. just riding through this huge CGI wave. And, uh, Here's what I learned. I was from- wondering how they were propelled, these water bikes. I mean, because like, it, it appeared to be like the, the wheels were still what was propelling them across the water. Yeah, maybe they had rockets. I don't know. <laughs> there was no rocket to be seen, Here's Elliot. what you need to know in this movie. This exists in a world where every mode of transportation turns into every other mode of transportation. Right. This is a movie where a guy jumps off of a radio tower with, a, with skis on, 
manages to land exactly where he has left his ski poles, and then skis through a jungle. Yeah. And he is jumping through trees and over bushes and stuff across much, uh, very multi-level topography. He's always got the velocity to keep going forward. Are you just mad because your daddy, a secret agent, couldn't do that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little mad. The best my daddy, secret agent, could do was very unconvincingly ski down a mountain. And then he had a parachute with a flag on it. Great. Oh, what a brilliant trick. You printed a flag on your parachute, Roger Moore. Rest in peace. Uh, well, he's parachuting with a Union Jack in heaven now. <laughs> and it's like, Roger, stay up there. It's great up there. Don't parachute down to this veil of tears. Here's what we all found out. Super surprised. The bad guys are really the good guys, it turns out. Yeah. They've been misused by the real bad guy, the director of the CIA, who's just crashing satellites for, <laughs> I don't know. I love the shocked, the shocked noises from the audience, the ironic shocked noises from the audience. It turns Aww. out the bad guy, long story short, He's hiding out in Detroit, and this uh, there's a freeway chase because every action movie so has a freeway chase. So when they reveal it's in Detroit, did either of you guys hope RoboCop was going to show up? Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. There is no such luck, unfortunately. We do get Robo Fists. Oh, okay, that's later. almost as good. So it's like RoboCop's hands showed up for the movie. <laughs> They're like, RoboCop, we want to give you $100,000 to do a one-minute cameo. He's like, I don't get out of RoboBed for t- less than $200,000. <laughs> I'll send my hands. <laughs> and they better be shiny when you send them back. Anyway, long story short, in Detroit, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of talk. And the movie cares so little about the character's motivations that when the CIA director is explaining why he's crashing satellites, there's actually a lot of chatter between Vin Diesel and another character that just goes over this. <laughs> so you'll have, the CIA director's like, you haven't, you, haven't you noticed what the world's like today? And then Vin Diesel's like, you got the shot. I've almost got it. Keep going. And then it cuts back to the CIA director. And that's why the satellites. <laughs> and it's like, not even trying. Now, no surprise, Vin Diesel manages to move one finger just enough to make space for a sniper bullet to kill the CIA director. Oh, yeah. he's so good. And now, the movie doesn't seem to realize the director of the CIA is a pretty public position. And that... That guy can't just get killed by a sniper bullet in a rundown Detroit building without <laughs> some kind of repercussions. Like, that's going to be in the newspapers. Wait, that's your complaint? It's not that Vin Diesel can effortlessly do the trajectory. Yes, I said Vin Diesel. It's him, not Xander Cage. <laughs> he can do the trajectory for the sniper bullet so it goes perfectly between his fingers. Like, uh, how does he know exactly? I, I don't know. Look, he's triple X. That's how he knows ex- exactly where the bullet's going to go. Uh, now it's, uh-oh, everyone's versus, uh, and Tony Collette, turns out, she's the real bad guy now. Because she wants to use the Pandora's box for, I don't remember, what was it? I don't, they want to, they want to surveil everyone, basically, is the thing. So, oh. if they can control every satellite, they can keep tabs on everyone. Yeah, so we can't be free anymore. Oh, right? yeah, so it's, it's the end of freedom. freedom. This is a movie that, it's weird, it's a movie that is being made at a weird time, because it's very, like, anti-surveillance, I'm sure we're all against that. There's a scene where she's like, this is the team of army men you're going to be teamed up with. And he's like, hey, nice to meet you. And then he kicks them out of a plane. <laughs> and it's like, and it's one of those movies where it's like, there's a time in American history when, like, an anti-establishment movie could easily throw army men out of a plane and the audience would be like, yeah. But I feel like that's not the place soldiers have in our minds right now. <laughs> so there was a part of me where was like, I know those soldiers are supposed to be, like, hard asses who won't do things the Vin Diesel way. It still rubs me the wrong way that he just threw, like, five American soldiers off a plane. 
and he's the hero of the movie. I'm now imagining a book that's called Do Things the Vin Diesel Way. <laughs> What's in that book? Lay it out for us. Pitch it to me. I'm a publisher. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I I'm imagine, a busy man. I imagine you start the day off with or woman. It's a, a very woman full of raw eggs. You okay, start. Yep. You start the day off with a carton full of raw eggs. Okay. Uh, a cart, like a shopping cart full of raw a eggs. Cart, shopping cart full of raw eggs. Okay. And then, uh, and then a, little, a nice steam. Don't don't have to do <laughs> so, any. Hair so it's just his daily routine. <laughs> yeah. It's not like how it's to not, get out of situations. No, it's not exciting. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's not like how to solve your problems the Vin Diesel way. It's just how to live exactly like he does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he starts his day with a steam. <laughs> starts. He starts. He starts his day with a steam, and he ends his day. With a shower. It's weird. Okay, so he's just sweaty all day. He's sweaty. <laughs> yeah. He likes to get sweaty, and then he puts on his giant, his giant coat. So, he's, so he wears, for people not familiar with the Triple X wardrobe, yeah. he wears a big furry coat, not unlike Sabretooth's in the first X-Men movie. Yep. Or what I imagine the coat Terry Gilliam was wearing when he met the other Pythons for the first time. <laughs> it's supposed to be the coolest thing you've ever seen. The coat. The coat. Yeah, you're supposed to be like, he goes... I know where my coat is. And the audience is supposed to be like, oh, the, the, the coat? We're talking about the coat? They're going to get the coat? <laughs> Guys. The coat got second billing in this movie. <laughs> Guys, do you think Vin Diesel sleeps in a bed that's shaped like a race car? <laughs> Stuart, Stuart, I'm going to tell you the truth. He doesn't sleep in a bed shaped like a race car. He sleeps in a race car made into a bed. What? Because that's the Vin Diesel way. I'm buying the book. All right. <laughs> it's going to be a huge release. Anyway, at this point, it's just everybody versus the U.S. government, including the, uh, the nerd girl who was his tech support. I guess she just resigned from her job. I don't know. Uh, and they, they send a bunch of uh, – I mean, Vin Diesel is – he goes on the plane with them. Yes. He's captured. But they send he a bunch and, of – He and Ip Man are captured. Yeah, Donnie Yen. Yeah. yeah. And, Ip Man from the movies. Oh, wait, what kind of man? Uh, an Ip man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he has the powers of an Ip, yes. Anyway. <laughs> but they send a team of, of killers in to kill the rest of the team. American troops, do. but yes. Yep. In this movie, they're portrayed as killers, yeah. <laughs> and all these, all, this whole team is like exes. They're like, they're all, they're all part <laughs> they of They all the used thing. to be married. <laughs> they're all. <laughs> it's a very complicated relationship. Because they've got to watch each other's backs, but it's like, where were you when we were having real trouble? They're all, they're all part of the Triple X team, so yes. they've all they've all proven themselves to be the sort of person that. Oh, can... that's right. The ghost agents that they were chasing, it turns out, were also recruited by Samuel Jackson to be Triple yeah. X agents. So, so what what makes you a ideal candidate for the Triple X program? You better be good at an extreme sport. Okay. Yeah. For instance, uh, the main woman from the Ghost Agents, who becomes Vin Diesel's romantic interest, she talks to him. They have a classic tattoo trading scene where they each got tattoos from yeah, different Yeah, it's a rip-off of Jaws. They're just showing their different tattoos yeah. as if it's scars. Yeah, and she talks about how she climbed up the, the London Eye naked, and she, she got thrown in jail for tagging a building. The tag was 30 stories tall. And they all have these, like, extreme things they did. <laughs> Which makes my, them my perfect was... for secret agents. Yeah. Like, she uses they're... her tagging powers, I guess, for... They, Dan, they do things differently than your daddy sup- sup- okay. I was a superhero. Yeah, your daddy would have only made a five-foot-tall tag. <laughs> your daddy would have climbed the London Eye with climbing ropes. My daddy... 
My daddy put Turk 182 everywhere, and that, that's no good. No, no. There's no one in the audience who knows Turk 182? <laughs> All right. Oh, they got it, and then they rejected it. All right. Okay, uh, so it's just, there's like 15 different heroes involved in six different bat- super battles right now, and it's all guns and punches. We finally get to see the soldier who was a real mean guy to Vin Diesel using the robo-fists, yep. but Vin Diesel keeps dodging them, so he's just punching out view screens on an airplane. I love yeah. that shit, though, when he finally punches through the, uh, the airplane's toilet, and then Vin Diesel kind of stuffs him through the toilet, and it's like shining like the TV from Poltergeist. <laughs> And then it immediately cuts to an explosion on the ground. That yeah. is filmmaking, Elliot. No, it's like I, I'm, I'm pretty good with stimulants, like stimuli from a movie. But You're I was pretty good with stimulants. I was pretty good with stimulants. <laughs> Cocaine. I, my heart would would explode. <laughs> I'm pretty good with stimuli from a movie, but I was so over like loaded from this, and it was like I can't figure out what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I need yeah. to watch like Daughters of the Dust after this. I need something so totally different. Yeah. Just you the exact pull out opposite. your Ozu DVDs. Yeah, I gotta watch Tokyo Story after this just to come down from this. <laughs> oh, from like it's like uh, I got OD'd on a, on Triple X. That's a lot of letters. Anyway, <laughs> that's a ultimately, lot of ultimately the the guys on the ground who are not Vin Diesel they run out of bullets. Uh oh, looks like it's done for. I guess for them. they're dead. But then who steps in, Dan? Uh, what's his face? Ice. <laughs> what's his face? What's his no, face? I know, I know the actor, Ice Cube, but I don't know what his name his is. His name is Darius Stone. Stone. All right. And that's right. Darius I will say Stone. when he shows up, when he showed up, we were watching this in the bar last night, and the entire bar bursts into cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I have to admit. Ice Cube's music, not really my kind of music. Second Triple X movie, I've never seen it, but when he showed up, I was like, shit, Ice Cube's in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, that's a movie working. When a character you don't know shows up, and you're like, I know he's important, this is great. You, like, call, you called your wife over to be like, honey, honey, Ice Cube's in this. <laughs> and she spit almost, out her uh, Go-Gurt or whatever she was drinking. It was... She's not here, right? She's not going to be mad it was, at me. She is, oh, oh well, shit. yeah, please. Anyway, it was like... It was like I was watching a Spider-Man movie and Darth Vader showed up. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Which they're both owned by the same company. They can do that now. They did an X-Men Star Trek crossover. Why not? Anyway, so... Uh, anyway, basically, uh, everybody wins in the end. Tony, like, Tony Collette gets pushed out of a plane. Those, those other guys get pushed out of planes. And, but... She's activated the Pandora device. A satellite is falling. They've already landed one on wherever the first one was. I don't even remember where that was. Somewhere in America or somewhere. They've landed one in in, uh, Russia, in Moscow. Now this one's about to hit Detroit. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Not Detroit. No. They're already dealing with so much. (laughs) Xander realizes there's only one thing he can do. He's got to aim this plane at that satellite because he's already killed everybody else on it. Now, this plan, I don't feel like Xander's thought this through. Because he, how could he think it through? He has a split-second decision to stop a satellite. He is, he is adding plane debris to satellite debris at good this point. point. And you know That's what? That's a very good point. He has just enough time. <laughs> oh, Stuart just stood up. Uh-oh. He has just enough time to utter his second catchphrase. <laughs> I live for this shit. No, wait. Hold on. Stuart, what would you what would you classify as his first catchphrase? <laughs> okay, he's got to stand up again. again. Stood up for the full power. 
the things I do for my country. Okay. I would totally flip those. I would flip those in the ranking. Uh, anyway, it totally works. He slams a plane into a satellite, jumps out in time to land on a pallet, activate the parachute on the pallet. That pallet hits the ground with what looks like the force of 100 H-bombs. Yeah. And yet, he's totally fine. He doesn't get a hangnail from that. Yeah. He walks away. Everything's cool. They even got it on camera on, the, on his phone so they can, sh- they can upload it to E-Bombs World. Do people still watch videos on that? <laughs> I don't know where you put. Yeah, I don't know where right. you put your extreme sports videos. <laughs> and they, then uh, they, but they save a little moment, right? Are you talking about the the moment where Ice Cube shows up and uh, Ice Cube returns Xander's car to him, uh-huh. which and says any an opportunity to Elliot, work with that the, represents the franchise. Oh, and Ice Cube says an opportunity to work with the great Xander Cage, and I can only imagine Ice Cube was like, I've got to fucking pretend. Vin Diesel is my hero. Like, I'm Ice Cube. I've got to pretend this guy is the coolest man I've ever met. That must have been a real... At that point, Ice Cube dug deep and found the humility that I know he returns to often. <laughs> and, what, and which makes him a strong individual. Yeah. Because truly, it's the strong man who can bow and not lose faith in himself. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that the star of Are We There Yet was... <laughs> Was that's, that sad about that's cashing what, a paycheck? That's but. the kind of humility I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, cut to Samuel Jackson's funeral. We hear a lot of gospel singing and a surprisingly white audience at this funeral. I was, I, it was very distracting. I was watching. I was like, who are these people? Are they all coworkers of Samuel Jackson? Yeah. Uh, and here's where the movie... Which I'll remind you. So in, the, in, well, oh, what you say, the camera pans up into the balcony and we see Xander Cage sitting up there alone, of course, sleeveless. Sleeveless. In church. This is, this is the funeral for a, <laughs> This is the funeral for a man he has talked about the entire movie as a mentor, father, elder brother, and God, all rolled into one. As far as he knows, this man is dead. They will never share a moment together. They will never speak together again. He will never feel his hand when they shake hands. He will never catch a glimpse of him from across the room. And I'm All not, he I'm has not, is his memories. I'm not expecting him to show up wearing a tie or a bow tie. His neck's not made for that. No. But at least, at least, tear up that parachute you rode down on and make some sleeves out of it. Cover your arms, or else are you just showing off because you hope maybe someone in the choir is going to notice, and you can go home with them, Xander. But anyway, so here's a movie that's shown us a lot of things. It's shown us a man hit a satellite with a plane. It's shown us robo-fists that super punch. It's shown us bikes that turn into water ski bikes. It's us, shown us jungle skiing. It's shown us a man who kicks a napkin dispenser into a robber's head. And now it goes to the least believable thing in the movie. Because as he's sitting up there in the, uh, in the balcony, and I said to the movie while I was watching, don't do this movie. No. Because the perilously stretched thin plausibility of this film will snap. Who pulls a fucking Tom Sawyer but Samuel L. Jackson, who walks out and watches his own funeral? Because, sure, everyone thinks that Injun Joe killed Tom in the caves. Because a satellite exploded next to him. I also like, Sam Jackson says, you think you're the only one who can fake your own death? And I'm like, 
You didn't know a satellite was going to come down and blow up next to you. Which we saw on camera. It's not like he looked to the sky and we cut away and there was a big explosion from far away. We saw his body engulfed in flame. (laughs) We saw the windows burst in. So he's getting laceration wounds in addition. Yeah. He is none the worse for wear. Uh... And anyway, that's and that's kind of the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, what happens Sander after Cage that? Is that you know, he's just, like, encouraging Xander Cage to just keep on keeping on, man. <laughs> yeah. He tells him to keep looking dope, right? Yeah. yeah, does he just show up at the end to be like, hey, I really like you, Xander Cage? Mm-hmm. I have to assume In the that words it- of uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, I really, 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 really like you. Oh, that's who they were quoting? Yeah, that's, that was it. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, I have to assume that there's some clause in Samuel Jackson's contract that, uh, that, I, that was like, I can't die in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> the same way that uh, Bruce Lee, when he was Cato on that episode of Batman, they were like, now Robin's going to beat you in a fight. And he was like, that is not going to happen. <laughs> there's no way Burt Ward is going to defeat me in a televised fight. <laughs> I have to assume Samuel Jackson was like, I die in this movie? Uh, no, we're reshooting the end. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we should move on to our final judgments. Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of like? Elliot, what do you have to you say? Do you want to go first? Yeah. Because I may shock the audience. All right. Barring the section in the middle and the beginning of Act 3 where I was so overloaded with things, I could no longer perceive reality. <laughs> This was a movie I kind of liked. It is, it is so incredibly dumb. It was like, there were times when I was like, am I seeing the tango and cash for the 21st century (laughs) unfold before my eyes? And I wasn't, but it got pretty close. Yeah, I mean, my feeling watching it was I either wanted it to be a little less dumb or a lot more dumb. But I have to say, on the sliding scale of Flophouse films, I mean, you have to understand, we've been driven mad by doing this for a decade. Our, st- our standards are very different from the normal viewer. Yeah. Don't... Although I think CinemaScore gave this an A-. minus. So. <laughs> don't run out and see it, but I kind of liked it, too. I kind of liked it, too. I'm going to say run out and see it. <laughs> No, I think this movie's super dumb and super fun. Like, it, it gets so close to the moment where a bad guy could say, I told you not to let him get on that motorbike. <laughs> and there is, like, there's a DJ character who does start hitting people with DJ equipment. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, man, it's the dumbest thing. It's, it feels a lot like it reminds me of seeing the Transporter movies for the first time being like, these are so dumb, but still really great. I will, I will say that the one problem I... Well, not the one problem. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> Otherwise flawless. The biggest, the biggest problem I have with the film is I feel like Vin Diesel is the least charismatic one of all of them. Oh, yeah. In, in many which is ways. why they have to keep saying like how awesome he is every time he walks on screen. It's true. A movie, a movie can, a movie character can be judged by how often the other characters have to remind you they're supposed to be cool. <laughs> yeah. And if they do it a lot, there's a problem with that character. But I mean, like, if you start a movie with an action scene with both Tony Jaa and Donnie Yen, you're off on the right foot. Like, it's great. Oh, for sure. There's that scene where Tony Jaa kicks that dude off of the motorcycle and then lands on the motorcycle and drives it. It's amazing. <laughs> 
man. It's like, this is the movie Suicide Squad should have been. Like, this is, this is the ideal version of Suicide Squad, except that I guess none of them die at the end. Yeah. Except Slipknot. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Slipknot. I'm sorry, Stuart, I know it's hard for you. Uh, guys. The life of a Slipknot. Uh, a Slipknot? That's me, a Slipknot. All right. That's that what a... we call ourselves, Dan. Oh, oh okay. That was an old, uh, that was an old, old Conan, Conan O'Brien bit, yeah. Conan I saw them perform that live at a taping of Conan. <laughs> Talking just... about Slipknot? Slipknot was the band playing that day. And so they did a bit called the Slipknuts, where... No, they just... this is just a podcast where we describe no, Conan this... O'Brien so bits. It... This is... This is a conversation, because I'm working on a show right now where, I'm, where the head writer is Brian McCann, who's a longtime Conan guy. And I was asking him today, I was like, were you, did you, were you in the Slipknots? And he's like, I wasn't in that, but I remember that bit. And he goes, they once opened for Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, they're performing for like a stadium of people booing them. Because <laughs> it was just guys singing about how they're slipping on peanut shells. <laughs> Hi, I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paula Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. <laughs> Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. Hey guys, it's Dan again, uh, flying alone again, I mean to say. Um, sorry about that. It's a live show, so you know what that means. Um, we weren't all in the same room together to do the the uh, ads because we didn't want to bore the live audience with ads. We only want to bore you, the listener at home, with ads. So enjoy these ads. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that our uh, sponsors will love that we said bore them with ads. Um, but first up, we've got Blue Apron sponsoring the podcast yet again. Thank you to Blue Apron. Uh, it's the service that brings you uh, pre-portioned ingredients in a box to your home every day Every day that you decide to have it come. Uh, not every day that you decide to have it come. Once a week, but you decide what that day in the week is. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron offers seasonal rep- recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. And some featured upcoming meals we got going on here. We got, uh, you know, this is my favorite part. Basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella. Mmm. Whole grain pasta and summer vegetables with heirloom tomato caprese salad. And a meatball pizza with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. How do you, how do you fit a meatball pizza in a box? Only you can discover by signing up for Blue Apron now. Uh, check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash flophouse. That's blueapron.com slash flophouse. 
And we've got a new sponsor on the show. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. Now listen, if you've come to a live show, uh, you know that I'm a bit of a clothes horse. I'm a horse that wears clothes. That's right. I, uh, I've been keeping it secret all these years. But I'm actually Seabiscuit, the world's most popular horse, and I love clothes. Gotta go buy some. But, um, no, I'm excited about this, uh, next, uh, sponsor because they are a clothing, uh, help service. They help you find good clothes to wear. And, uh, certainly early in my clothes buying career, this, this thing would have been a boon to me. A boon. Uh, it's Bombfell. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. You pay nothing when you sign up because there are no fees to work with them. You only pay for the clothes you keep, and Bombfell is the only service right now that can make this claim. It's dedicated to being the most simple, straightforward service around. It's completely flexible. Push-up, delay, or... uh, Pardon me. Push-up, delay, or skip your shipments anytime. Now, uh, what you do here with this Bombfell thing is you sign up online. You take a little style quiz, which is very exciting because... uh, you know, there are good quizzes and bad quizzes. There's the quizzes that you have to um, pass in school. And then there's these fun quizzes that, you know, you get to just talk about yourself a lot. And that's what's going on with the style quiz. And um, I actually have a Bombfell uh, packet waiting for me at work. I've been on vacation, so I can't speak directly to the, uh, the things that I've gotten. But I'm very excited to... Uh, to try these things out once I get a chance. Um, now, uh, if you want $25 off your first purchase when you visit bombfell.com, just go to bombfell.com slash the flop house. That's B O M B F E L L dot com slash flop house for 25% off. And uh, we've got a Jumbotron. This one is from, uh, this one is for Aiden, and it's from Alex. And it says, I can confidently say I fell in love with you because of your goddamn incredible laugh. The first time I heard it, we were on the same train, not together, and you were laughing out loud to a podcast you were listening to with headphones on. I thought you were insane. I still kind of do. Keep laughing, AIDS. Happy 23rd birthday. Keep laughing, AIDS. That's A-I-D-Z. Not keep laughing, the disease AIDS. That would be terrible. That would be a weird message for you to slip in in the middle of this wonderful declaration of love. But uh, it sounds like uh, Alex loves you a lot, Aiden. So congratulations on that. Uh, hey, hey guys, we got some live shows coming up. Uh, in on the first one is the uh, now hear this festival. It's um, going to take place at the Javits Center. In beautiful New York City on September the 9th, I believe. I'm looking it up. That's why I appear to be stalling because I lost the piece of paper that had that piece of information on it. Uh, Yes, September the 9th. There's no Elliot in that show, but Ronnie Chang of The Daily Show will be filling in for him. And But if you want to see the whole gang, you've got two chances for that, especially if you live on the West Coast. On October 8th, that's a Sunday, 
We'll all be in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. Visited Elliot in his new hometown. And in December, on December the 9th, that's a Saturday, we will be in San Francisco at the Marines Memorial Theater. So please, uh, tickets are available. You go to our website. We have links up. Uh, Yeah, check us out. But now, back to the live show of today, Xander Cage. Anyway, Dan, we should move along, Yeah, right? we should move along to the next part of the podcast, which is where we're going to answer some questions from audience members. There is a microphone set up right way over, there. over there. So I hope that people who are far away If can... you're interested... Oh, what? Uh, yeah. You can go that way. I don't know what the best route is. We're gonna it's a crowded a room. Questions. Now, Elliot, do you want to give your thing up front, or do you not want to be mean? I don't want to be mean, so I'll say it as nicely as I can. Everybody wants their moment in the sun. Sometimes that means being in a viral video. Sometimes that means <laughs> killing Shelly Winters so you can marry Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> but here's the thing. We want to res- keep this moving along pretty quick. We want to respect everybody's chance to get up there. We're looking for real questions and not, uh, you know, we've all been to Q&As where somebody rambled on. So here's the rubric to keep in your head. I want to ask them a question. If I wasn't me and I was hearing someone else ask this question, would it interest me? And if the answer is no, think of a different question or sit down. So I'm Whoa. sorry, I got, a little, it got no. a little mean at the end. I apologize. Now that Elliot has played bad cop. I've spent enough time seeing people ramble on and on to Woody Allen about how much they love his movies. As if Woody Allen's going to say, stick around after the show so we we can be best friends. Unlimited time. Okay, so Dan, what were you going to say? Good cop. No, I was going to say, go ahead. (laughs) Hello, uh, my name is Bobby, last name withheld. Hi, Bobby. Thanks Um, for coming. The current state of movies is uh, Expanded Universe is uh, the new hit thing, so... If you can make an expanded universe of only Oscar-winning Best Picture films, who would be the Ooh. hero, who would be the villain, and who would be the uh, funny minority sidekick? Oh, from different Best Picture-winning movies. The question, your, your Best Picture extended cinematic universe, who are the characters? Hero, villain, funny sidekick. Ooh. Well, your villain's got to be, I guess, uh, Ray Fiennes from Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> Because it doesn't get more no one, evil than him. No one more villainous. But your hero, for me, Jack Lemmon in the apartment. That's a hero-villain imbalance. How's he going to get out of that one? I don't know. Luckily, we got William Goldman and David Mamet on the case. But who, I don't, Dan, what are you thinking? This, uh, this, this question is predicated on me being able to remember best picture winners. All right, Stuart, who do you think? Uh, did Gladiator win Best Picture? It did. We live in a universe where that happens. <laughs> so I didn't like that one. <laughs> How about, uh, did Crash win Best Picture? Which yeah. one? Which Crash? Which Crash? Cronenberg's didn't win. Did I'm not win. Sure, right? Okay. Okay. So the bad Paul guy Haggis. from the other one is racism, right? Yes. Bad guy of the cinematic okay. universe. Okay. Is what like a is it racism the concept or a person that embodies racism like the hate monger? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Use your imagination, dude. I'm just throwing out ideas. Okay. <laughs> All right. And so for goofy sidekick, I'm gonna say Kevin Spacey, the dad from American Beauty. <laughs> And here's the thing. Every time Jack Lemmon in my version is like, we've got to go. We're late. And Kevin Spacey's just masturbating in the shower. I think we can move on. 
Yeah, we solved that one. Good question. Uh, Max, last name withheld. Stuart from over there. I couldn't tell what your shirt was from over here. It's just as ridiculous. Thank you. Stuart. Sir, do you want to explain your shirt I'm, for the listeners at home? Yeah. I guess I'm wearing a t-shirt that has uh, my friend's dog on it, and it says Foxy, <laughs> which is the name of the dog. Yeah, Foxy. 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 Okay. Foxy. We don't have time for that. Foxy. I'm going to go slight. It's so easy. Slightly extended universe here, too. If you were in this movie and the only lines Vin Diesel could say were, I am Groot, would that have affected the movie at all? Or is the movie is the movie huh. so simple that it really doesn't matter that he oh. could only say that? I don't that? know. What do you think, Dan? Uh, I think the movie could only be improved by <laughs> Vin Diesel saying the words, I am Groot, over and over again. Especially at the scene where he has sex with those eight women. A triumphant I am Groot. Dan, you are kidding yourself if you don't think women make Vin Diesel say I am Groot while they make love. (laughs) I would. Yeah, fair point. Next question, please. Uh, Hi, fellas. Uh, Seth, last name withheld. Hey, Seth. Uh, There's been a lot of discussion tonight about our daddy's spy. Uh, (laughs) Sure. Which is is a great name for a movie or a heartbreaking (laughs) memoir. (laughs) Um... I figured out from context clues that we might be referring to James Bond. And so, uh, so many spy movies... Well, you could be a spy. <laughs> uh, so many spy movies uh, define themselves as, like, not being James Bond. But what aspects of James Bond movies do you think more spy movies should take? They should take, not shouldn't. Yes. Because I have an answer for shouldn't, but I'm not sure about should. The shouldn't would be the misogyny. But anyway... <laughs> But Dan, or Stewart, what's great about James Bond? Well, I I love that they all start media res. I'm a sucker for that shit. You love in media res. Like, boom, smash cut, you're in the action. Now, Dan, you like fancy clothes. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Let's let's go with that. I was really going through it all. I'm like, I don't like the gadgets because the gadgets make it too easy for him to... You don't like survive. the gadgets, dude? <laughs> well, I They're guess I'm not getting fun. your birthday present of Inspector Gadget, the complete series. Uh-huh. I guess I'll just throw that in the trash. <laughs> He's an entire man who's a gadget, Dan. <laughs> I'll have to get you the Inspector Gidget complete now, set. Without Inspector Gadget, there would be no penny meeting dinosaurs. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Now, has Inspector Gadget's That's brain pandering. has Inspector Gadget's brain been removed? They got to make room for that propeller. There's, yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering what's going on up there. Uh, Dan, brain is the dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> and uh, I would say the song "Live and Let Die" should be in all spine movies. <laughs> uh, next question, please. Anne Marie, last name withheld. Hi, Anne Marie. Hi, Anne Marie. A lot of partisans out here. Um, Yeah. So my dad is actually like obsessed with Triple X. So I guess it is my daddy's spy. He (laughs) (laughs) he loves loves Triple X. My sister says it's because of the heroic baldness. Um, So I would say, what movie do you or or your loved ones love for baffling reasons? Hmm. Baffling reason. Baffling. Oh, I mean, my dad likes any historical military movie in which people line up and shoot at each other 
in an in a primitive. He loves movies where soldiers like, like Zulu and Zulu Dawn, or like like the Patriot. Every movie he's like back then. Yeah, but that's like a just, good movie. They just stood there and no, no. That's what I'm saying is they're not good movies. But if you have two people who if you have two rows of people firing muskets at each other without moving around, that's a that's a movie for my dad. And he'll just tell me how the costumes looked authentic. My parents have generally terrific taste, but they are... Especially in Sons. <laughs> yeah, they, they like the other ones better. Uh, and that's why we call him Silver Lining Dan. Uh, this is not a movie, but... So they're such Anglophiles that they like anything British, no matter what it is. So I remember growing up, on PBS, my mom watching Are You Being Served all the time. Which has, like, the dirtiest jokes about the woman having to go home and take care of her pussy. Which, in the, in the, in the context of the thing, is talking about a cat. But there's so many fucking pussy jokes in that. And my mom would eat it up. Daniel. 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 <laughs> I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Daniel, yeah. Dan is collapsed on the floor. Dan has collapsed. So did we say... Dan, you're lucky I don't have my family swords with me. Or else you would be committing seppuku right now. Now, did we say inexplicable reasons? Because my father's reason for liking dancing at the Blue Iguana is very explicable. <laughs> you know, it's this sad story that, from my understanding, was mainly improv of different women who act as exotic dancers at the club, the Blue Iguana. And it stars his personal favorite, Daryl Hannah. Uh, when I found that DVD box on the shelf, turned backwards so there was just a blank <laughs> DVD thing... <laughs> Very spy. sly, very That's sly. That's weird. Why is there a blank DVD box in between Third Rock from the Sun seasons? <laughs> I finished season two. Before I jump to season three, should I check out this middle box? <laughs> Maybe Tommy cuts his hair. Who knows? Uh, and my, my parents also have an obsession with... Uh, my dad loves Corner Gas, the Canadian comedy show. And he also got really into Cirque du Soleil one year and got us all Cirque du Soleil DVDs for Christmas. I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to this or else he would be sad. We'll find out. Let's move on to the next yeah, question before we say on. more terrible things about our parents. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Benjamin, last name withheld. Hey, Benjamin. Hey, hey. Ben local celebrity Benjamin. Hey. Uh, so um, in honor of all the wonderful time that Elliot has spent with us here in the city of New York, I wanted Aww. to ask a question specifically about that. Uh, what, if you had to select one movie uh, that you think most accurately depicts uh, your experience with this city, what movie would you pick? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good Thank question. You. Very good question. I'm uh, going to jump in. My answer is cocktail, baby. <laughs> Featuring Elliot's favorite song, Kokomo. Oh. God damn it, Dan. Don't even place the idea of that song in my brain. Uh, now, of course, I wish for me the answer was T.O.P. 123, taking a Pelham 123. But... Unfortunately, I did not grow up when New York was a hellhole. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that one. I know, uh, I don't know, probably uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. 
Yeah, you've taken Manhattan by storm. You're, you're, you're a live performer. Mm-hmm, and I'm, I'm finally going to put on my big Broadway show, Somebody's Getting Married. This is... Somebody's Getting Married. I don't remember how the song this, went. Uh, it goes, somebody, somebody, somebody. <laughs> All right. Okay. They're clearly putting on the worst Broadway show in that... Like and the and the plot of it know. appears to just Cats. be that somebody's getting married. Yeah, so the, it's just called like it, I mean it's basically my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> We're like and that's oh, not our, 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 Sorry, Mama Mia. Mia, Mama Mia, same. I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> I'm leaving this bullshit city. I don't need to know about that uh, stuff. I think that Brooklyn audiences are the closest <laughs> audience. Come on. To my... Good save. You guys know I'm just lashing out because it's going to be a little difficult for me to leave a place that I've lived a long time and that when I was a kid, I dreamed of living in. And now I'm somewhat tired of and we'll move on. Uh, Let's move to the next person and we're running low on time. So I can only imagine that Elliot already has a map of L.A. on his bedroom wall with Popeye's location circled. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't researched it a little. (laughs) Hi, I'm Joe, last name withheld. Hey, Joe. I'd like to play some Radio Zork. Oh, boy, everybody. Oh. All right. Brave man. From the previous, f- previous players have not been that lucky. but Yeah. So to reestablish the situation, you're at the door. <laughs> and I would like to choose option C. Check the handle. Okay. Okay, interesting. Okay. The, you wiggle the handle. It appears to be locked. The room seems to be occupied. Oh, something new has been added. Wow, the mystery deepens. Thank you. You yeah, stand thank outside you very much. the that door. Was a good, that was a good move. Okay, we're going to cap that question line. I don't know if we're going to get to everybody, hopefully. Anyway. Hi, uh, my name is Kenzie, last name withheld. My question is, Oprah and The Rock have both talked about running for president. Who, based on uh, persona, charisma, and taste, would you say would be a good leader for our country in the future? Who will be is the leader or who will be elected? <laughs> well, that's... I don't care. Okay, because when it comes to who, I mean, one of them is uh, a warm, comforting figure who has enriched the lives of millions, but she's a woman, so <laughs> electability is an issue. Dan, what do you think? Who would be better, Oprah or The Rock? And Stewart, who do you think would be better? Does wrestling ability factor into it, Elliot? What? Does wrestling ability matter? (laughs) I'm just saying, who's Putin going to respect more? That's true. Probably Oprah. Now, yeah. (laughs) Politically, I think I'd go with Oprah, but on the ability to bounce a a berry off of his pec muscles, I'd have to go with The Rock. Fair, though. We know Oprah could be great at that. They did that in one take, Dan. What? <laughs> yeah, one take. <laughs> that's why they call Bury him off the pack. That's why they call him one take rock. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's here's me pandering. Either one would be doing a better job than the current guy. <laughs> but you could say that about anyone in this room. <laughs> anyone in this city? Even now Joe. that he's not in it. What? I said even Joe, and I pointed over here in the hopes that there was someone named Joe over there <laughs> that thought that I was talking about them for a second. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for the question. I feel like we didn't really answer it, but that's okay. Moving on. Hi, Jonathan, last name withheld. Everyone has a trope in movies that they really hate. Has a director ever done that trope in a way or subverted it that you actually liked? Or if you can't think of that, do you have a vision in your head for how that trope could be done well that you would enjoy it? Oh, boy. 
It's always the good questions that are hard to answer. Yeah, that's true. Usually, like, I I really don't like it when movies start with a voiceover explaining all kinds of bullshit and prophecy, but Fellowship of the Ring has a great opening. That's it. It's great. Um, Go watch that. I'll tell you something I don't like in trailers. I'm going to fudge the rules a little. Is when they cut together a montage of people saying the main character's name as if that means the character's super exciting. Like, all these people are talking about Hudson Hawk. He must be the coolest guy in the world. But the, but the counterpoint is, what trailer has done that well? I know. And you can't say Hudson Hawk. No, I can't. So I think I'm just going to have to say... Uh, I mean, I kind of think the Baby Driver trailer does that well, where they just say baby a bunch. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, well, at least that is... Because that is... it's got my boy Ansel Elgort in it. <laughs> Wait, is he here? Did he... I reserved a seat for him. I uh, didn't come. I bet there's a way to do it where the people... Yeah, maybe that's the best one, where it sounds exciting, like, who is this character, rather than like, yeah, they say his name a lot in the movie. He's the main character of the movie. Dan? We gave you time, Dan. I can't think of anything. Can I sing a, <laughs> can I sing a song in lieu of... No, next question, please. We don't have time for songs. That's why I didn't sing one. All right. It's... <laughs> or will I? Oh, Christ. No, we don't have time. Moving along. We don't have time. Okay. This is about efficiency now. It's me. It's Liz. Last name withheld. Hey, Liz. Hey, Liz. Liz. It's me. I wasn't going to ask a question, but the person I was seated next to, who I, I don't think, I, I don't remember meeting, asked me. Turn that's more backstory. Are you the Liz who asked more all the questions during the live show? And I said, yes. Okay, so here. Pretend couple, it's yours. Here, a couple of years ago, Netflix miscategorized Jennifer Kent's modern horror classic, The Baba Duke, as an LGBT movie. Yeah. Now, since then. <laughs> I know, right? Well, yeah, you're exactly. Question, um, please. So since then, uh, the Babadook himself has emerged as an icon of the gay community. So I thought, who better to ask than three straight men? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who is going to be the next big gay horror icon? Oh, good question. I'm going to tell you, I think Before it's going to be... that oh. stovepipe daddy. <laughs> stovepipe daddy. They call him Abe's. <laughs> In the community. Before the Duke, it was what? Freddy from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2? Thank you for confirming that. The second movie, that. specifically, yeah. And yeah. I've, I mean, like the Cenobites are kind of into that like uh, whole like leather yeah. scene a little They're bit. They're kind of pansexual. Yeah. Yeah, leather is equivalent to homosexuality. Yeah, 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 sure. right. <laughs> That's a stereotype we can play into. Sure, Mr. Cruzen. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to say... I just, I'm going to say... All my experience of uh, homosexuality comes from Police Academy movies. <laughs> I'm going to say that this current universal reboot of the monster universe is going to fail. And the next one, which hopefully I will have something to do with, will finally involve the gay Dracula that America has needed for so long. And he's going to be so... He's going to be so incredibly sexy, but he's still going to be Dracula. Draculas have so much appeal, Elliot, because they appeal to olds, because they get to imagine, like, I get to be old, and I look young and hot. (laughs) But for the young folks, they're like, I get to be like me, young and hot, but I'm smart and experienced and old. Yeah. And people are like, I want to earn one of those medals he's wearing around his neck. (laughs) 
I think we I think we may just have room for one more. I think actually. one more question. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. We're sorry, sorry, sorry for everyone who got apologies. Got in we're line. running we're running tight. Unfortunately, there, there's a complain to Dan over Twitter. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. At Here's, Dan K. McCoy. If you if you four people who are waiting in line who aren't get a chance, send an email to the Flophouse email thing. Make sure to note that you were here and didn't get your question asked, and we'll try to answer it on Yeah, on I, well, I'll make that promise right We'll make now. that priority over put the it, other put ones. Put it in the subject Stop line. Vaping, let's it's get to not the, next the same, I know, but we'll try to, try to guess what your voices sound like, and Dan will read it like that. <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 pocket square stuff. Anyway. <laughs> so last question, a lot of pressure. Oh, gosh. Hi. Uh, hi, Peaches. Claire, last name withheld. Hi, Claire. Hi, Claire. Uh, when I watched Tarsum Sings The Fall, I remember why I want to be a cinematographer. And I wanted to know if there's anything that when you see you get jazzed about something you're passionate about, not necessarily career-related. Oh. Well, I mean, when I saw The Fall, I was super jazzed about The Fall. That's a great movie. <laughs> That's super great. I don't know. That's like uh, I mean, kind of recently, uh, this is not a joke answer, but uh, recently reading the comic book Profit by Brandon Graham kind of reminded me why I love comics and made me want to make stuff and do stuff. It's great. Go check it out. I uh, had... Oh, sorry, Dan, you, go. you can go. Uh, I, I discovered that there's a series on uh, YouTube. I actually posted this to the Facebook group and I was talking about it backstage. Uh, called Playing Shakespeare. It's a, it's a BBC program from 1982 the Royal Shakespeare Company put out. And you can see a young Ben Kingsley, a young Ian McKellen, a young Patrick Stewart. And their a, bodies are tight as hell. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You could bounce a berry off Patrick Stewart's pecs. <laughs> oh, would I? Yeah. And it's got uh, John Barton, the director, explaining how to act in Shakespeare and doing it with such clarity and intelligence, and it reminded me of when I acted uh, a long time ago, and it made me want to act again, which well, I probably will not have the chance to do, but it really rekindled my, my passion for that sort of thing. That's really nice. Yeah. I am also not going to have a funny answer. Uh, I, this is a true story that really happened to me uh, <laughs> with a movie that I don't know what you guys think about it, and I don't know. Anyway, uh, there was a time when I worked at a show called The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, and it was ending. And I had to make a decision about whether I was going to stick around or whether I was going to do something else. And I was a little burned out on doing news stuff, but, you know, it was still – it was a good job, and it was fun, and I liked all the people there. And Even on, Dan? What? Even Dan? <laughs> yeah, even uh, – even, even, yeah. Against all odds. And uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just anyway. fucking with you, dude. Yeah, come on. We can do that. You're friends. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're your friends, which means we hate you a little bit. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, I went to, we had a week off, and I went to go see a movie called It Follows. And that's a movie that you can take from a sheer monster thing. It's, a, it's inconsistent. But there's a moment at the end of that movie where, so I don't want to spoil it. But the two main characters have made a pair bond, you might say, that was not, was not something that, it, that is partly through emotion and partly through just they're in the same situation. And there's a thing falling behind them that might be the it that's following them. It's shot blurry in the back. You don't know. And it struck me at that moment, this movie is about relationships and how death is coming for all of us. And the only way to combat that in our lives is to find another person to have some sort of relationship with, whether it's romantic or not. And that is the only hedge against the knowledge of death. And I remember walking out of that movie and thinking, 
there's another way to do to tell stories and there's much more out there than like what I've been doing and I got to try for it. And so then I went on to Mystery Science Theater 3000 which did not really get across the the <laughs> idea of hair bonding for death but but it was like like but that was but that was the closest thing for me I feel like in the past few years where I saw something and I was like and it was like a door opened up in front of me and I was like oh okay like there's there's other stuff it's out there It's full of stars. It's oh my god it's full of stars. And now I'm a big baby. <laughs> Elliot's a big baby. So So if you're wondering why I'm a big baby mm-hmm. it's it follows. Well, anyway, that was, I felt like I got a little more vulnerable than I wanted to in that moment. Yeah. But, oh, that's okay. Well, but, well, uh, I, don't, don't worry. I'll cover for you by ending the show. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, thank that, you. I so, think that was pretty subtle, Thanks for all Dan. the questions, everybody. Yeah. As always. As always, getting questions like this when you're standing on stage, you're like, oh, duh, what am I going to say? <laughs> uh, we appreciate really so much that everyone came out to see us and that hope you guys had a good time. And I don't know. It's just very special to do this before people, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, that was a three-person hug for the listeners at home. That was oh yeah, we were all hugging. I forgot we were recording this. <laughs> you just you just missed a big hug. <laughs> it's like I I heard online. So you, I remember you said what? we're going to end the show, and now you got an online story. Who who wanted to see who meet a dinosaur, Dan? There, this is not worth going into at this point in the show. Why Great. are we doing Great. it? <laughs> And why are we spending time calling that out? I heard online like some audio from an old LP that was from the seventies that was porn. It was like a pornographic record. What? This are could we not be less now? appropriate for the moment. <laughs> and it was it was just people having sex and describing it as they were doing it. And we did the very sweet, very vulnerable, very nice, very non-sexual version of that. Okay. I don't. I mean, I don't know about non-sexual. But that's... <laughs> All right, we've been lingering too long, and I wasted time with that. Yes. <laughs> so, we got another show to do. You've all been very wonderful. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you guys. so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Right. We'll see you another time. So, yeah, what do you have for lunch today, Elliot? I had Pad CU with chicken. They gave me too much, and I did not finish it. Too much chicken or too much Pad CU? Uh, too much noodle. Oh, wow. What about you, Stu? Uh, I grabbed a Shack Burger on my way to Badlands Hair Salon. Oh, made a Shaquille O'Neal meat? <laughs> yep, it was delicious. Oh, what about you, Dan? Although uh, now I don't believe the earth is round anymore for uh-oh. some reason. <laughs> you have an urge to be a Florida sheriff. <laughs> yeah. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned
Listener supported.